0: Hi all! Thanks so much for joining. Speaking of making healthcare work for you, different perspectives and empowering solutions. I'm Stephanie Fields, joined by my co-host Dr. Apoorv Gupta, and we welcome two guests today: Dr. Phil Polikoff, who is a passionate disruptor with a purpose, focused on commitment, belief, and achievement, and dedicated to all aspects of health. And then we also welcome Matthew Probst, who's the medical director and chief quality officer for the El Centro Family Health in northern New Mexico. And he lives his life with purpose and is an inspirational leader. He has gained national attention, particularly for his 100% community initiative, which is focused in New Mexico as well. Thank you both for being here today. Thank you. Thank you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how you two are working together and what you're, the most important thing that you're working on is.
1: I had the privilege of connecting with Matt several years ago in Salt Lake City. And from then we've been interacting and we're moving forward to create a marriage between a national institute called the National Institute of Rural Health and the 100% community. Uh, and it's uh, the... Uh, Connection between the two of us is robust.
2: Yeah, I would agree, Phil. And uh, what a great partner and the energy Phil brings in that in the national scene. Um, and trying to really scale up action. That's what I would say. 100% community is all about, you know, yes, having a call to action and having a plan of action. But having action and being able to scale up that action that we've been able to really leverage and bring about change and access to 10 vital services resources, resources in the pandemic. And now being able to scale that up beyond the county where I preside here in in San Miguel County in Northern New Mexico.
0: That is really awesome. I love what you've been able to do. You've told us so much about it. And some of your work was even captured in a documentary called The Providers. And you've had such an amazing grassroots effort with the services that you've had. It's such a a holistic approach to caring for the community and involving them in all that you're doing. And you've had tremendous results from all areas of care. And then you've gotten attention on your COVID success as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: So, you know, again, the providers documentary, you know, uh, a documentary on the rural healthcare crisis, you know, that's a call to action. Uh, really, and you know, 2019 was all filled with that. But in 2020, you know, it really became, wow, how do we bring resources home here to our community and get, you know, I got off that national stage and said it's time to really try and make things move the dial here at home. And so I, I came across this initiative called the 100% Community Initiative, and and it's a book, 100% Community. It's a It's really a plan of action, if you will, an evidence-driven plan of action. And so we started implementing that early in 2020, trying to focus on ending the childhood trauma epidemic. Uh, My passion, youth medicine, as you see in the film, and and really trying to leverage that to say at the core root, adverse childhood experiences at the core root of so much disease and despair is childhood trauma. So let's attack that. And so we put together an initiative, we put together an action team, if you will, with leaders in 10 vital service sector areas. You know, We were gearing up, ready to, to attack childhood trauma, and then the pandemic hit. And so this uh, uh, initiative, if you will, is applicable to any pandemic, epidemic, crisis. It was informed by 9-11, it was informed by the HIV AIDS epidemic, and so we really said, it's time to get to action. It's the pandemic. Our community needs us more than ever. And so we applied the, the, the knowledge, the framework, if you will, of 100% community to attacking the pandemic. And with that, we've done a lot of good. We've done a lot of good of providing access to 10 vital services, you know, everything from you know, food and housing. You know, For folks, it's easy to say, stay at home if you have a home. You know, it's easy to say wash your hands if you have running water or, you know, shelter in place if you have food at home, Um, those types of things um, to COVID testing and now COVID vaccine. And so we've been a leader in New Mexico, which is leading the nation in terms of things like COVID response and and COVID testing and COVID vaccination rates. And we've saved a lot of lives. And so that end measure really being um, lives saved.
3: I love what you're saying about community. Um, As I've been trying to get my head around that, I feel like it can come in from so many different angles. Uh, And I think I've only understood a few of them. I mean, I can kind of clearly see your passion for community. To me, 100% community also means getting the community engaged and active and being a full participant in it. Uh, And then you obviously talked about mobilizing all the community resources. Uh, in, in the clips that I saw from your, your documentary, The Provider, there was an angle to 100% community which was about owning and belonging to the community. So you know, what else is it that really community means to you? What is the most important part of it that makes 100% community uh, such a vital part of what you're driving?
2: Well, I know Phil can resonate with this. It's the power of we. It's we. It's together. It's together. You know, uh, the resiliency of, of, of being in the rural West and, you know, surviving many things over centuries, you know, comes from neighbors helping neighbors. That's really at the utmost, you know, essence of it is community. And, and, and what that means, 100% community in a nutshell is everyone for everyone. And now having a, a strategy, a systematic approach to that you know, it's really what we're talking about. And so it's really, you know, simple, it, it comes back to who we are as a culture and as a community, which is, you know, built on that foundation, that resiliency of saying, when there are challenges, you come together and you get through those um, united in purpose.
0: What really stands out to me from everything that you've done is that you're always going that extra mile to involve them into everything. And you mentioned, um, I think it was in an email that we had that with COVID, whenever you were first dealing with it, you guys were actually behind. And then within a month and a half, you were leading the state. And then obviously now you're leading the nation. And so you're leading the nation in testing, in highest vaccinations, incredible things. And you did it through unique ways like mask parades, drive, driving through and having a car decorating contest. So I love that you're focusing on uplifting them, but also caring for them. And I love that it's inspired by your own personal experiences and your dedication to your community. So tell us, you know, what leads you to these unique approaches to do things and why it's so important to you?
2: Well, at the essence of the challenge is a lack of resources. And so, you know, a lot of times folks, when they're speaking of rural America, they say underserved, underserved populations. We're not underserved. We're, we serve with everything we have. We're under-resourced. What happens when you don't have a lot? Well, you get innovative. You learn to get innovative. You learn back to rural. You learn to make a little stretch a long ways. It's not an I, it's a we as Phil would say again, not to still his thunder, but replace the I Ill and uh, I illness with we, and you have wellness, Phil, you know, that just resonates with me. That is so much the essence of, of what we do. And so, you know, again, that we expand beyond just one neighborhood or one community or one county to the state to say, you know, at the peak of the pandemic, when we had the Navajo nation, you know, just horrible things were happening in terms of the of the pandemic and and, and the infection rates a state New Mexico with a limited amount of public health resources almost all our resources needed to go to one region to the northwest region and so what were we going to do in the northeast region we were falling behind on testing we couldn't wait for someone to come rescue us there was no one to come rescue us so we innovated ourselves we implemented ourselves I created the, the ability to have a, a, a relationship, you know, so much is built on relationships with our secretary of health. And she said, Matt, I'll make you my liaison and we'll give you what you need. And, and you put your teams to work there and get these testing sites set up. So you're right, Stephanie, within six weeks, we were behind on testing because there was no public health movement to come and rescue us from, from a state level and we were able to get the resources here locally. And within six weeks, our goal had been to get catch up to the average of testing in New Mexico. And we passed that average and we never looked back. We've been leaders ever since and, and really on that foundation of working together and that relationship to say that you also need, yes, grassroots locals, but support from government, city, county, state government, with those resources coming on federal government to be able to now say, "Wow, we 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 have what it takes. We're not underserved. We serve with everything we have. Send us the resources, and upon that foundation, we've been able to build a lot of vaccination success as well."
3: How tremendous! That's amazing, Matthew. You've you've lined up uh, innovation, resourcefulness, creativity, uh, and obviously collaboration. And so, with that, I want to uh, welcome Phil into the conversation and talk about the kind of collaboration the both of you are trying to build because you're clearly doing this in a such an impactful way at the community level. And as I understand it now, you and Phil are co- collaborating and trying to do this at a national level. So maybe Phil, this is something you can help to connect the dots with us on.
1: Sure, I think uh, Matt's the perfect example of an empathetic success story with data. He hammers the five Ps, which I've discussed on the show previously but actually amplifies them with a concrete foundation. He talks about places where people live and work. He talks about personal care. He talks about population health. He talks about public health and probably the strongest thing he talks about is political will. Um, So it's really a story of empowerment, innovation and entrepreneurship. He talks about the public private partnership and these are all the things I'm challenged with. So with this, On two fronts. One, we're going to New Mexico to be with Matt next week to talk to the people, the uh, Native Americans, the Hispanics, the people of Los Alamos, whoever we're speaking to. And uh, with that, we've set our agenda to create a new institute within the federal government called the National Institute for Rural Health. Currently within the federal government, there are 400 rural programs that are fragmented, inefficient, and ineffective. There are 13 departments, 10 independent agencies, 50 offices and sub agencies, and within Congress, both Senate and on the House side, there are 14 legislative committees to make meaningful change and exactly underpin what Matt was sharing about resources. Uh, they have resources that are aboundful in leadership and commitment, and also the people are leading the leadership uh, initiative, Dom and Catherine, are just spectacular people, and we're going to go there to feel their pulse. And let's just share with all honesty, the initiative is going to be presented to the president within a month, and the two leaders on it are the uh, the senator from the state of New Mexico, Ben Ray Lujan, and Congressman Anna Asher, and we're achieving by partisan support now so with this there's a hope that we can have a government that is led with innovation creativity and helps the common person in their community and not all the hierarchical from top to down and re-energize the whole field of public health which is in need of help at all levels now Uh, so what matt says and i'll leave it this one he's absolutely right we have to scale the action And we would hope that when one way or another, every community in this country, rural America, which has 60 million people, but this could be for all of America. I think this model is urban, rural, and it could also be global. In these times, if I is replaced by we, even illness becomes wellness. Only working together will we have a healthier nation. And with that, the spirit of collaboration, energy and hope working with Matt in his entirety, not just Matt, is really very motivational.
0: Phil, do you think that having the members of Congress see the work that Matt has done and all of the successes that he's had, particularly on something so topical like COVID, is really going to help exemplify why this is so important and how you can do it and seeing what he's done with no resources, really, or funding, to use Matt's, Matt's word? is just going to make it crystal clear to them that this is the way and by supporting this strategy and the National Institute of Rural Health that we can have tremendous success treating these rural areas and moving to that wellness model.
1: Well, I think it's mission critical. People like to know top down, bottom up. They want to know references. They want to know data. So some of the data shows proof of the exercise they would have done. They want to also see the human concern, the pictures of the young children, the older people. They want to see the touch and feel. They want to see something that's relationship, not transactional. So with a one-liner, words matter, actions matter more, and relationships matter the most. Only working together will we be able to conquer that which isn't
3: perfect now well both of you seem to be so charged up with passion it's hard for us not to get excited and and i hope the viewers will as well Uh, i want to take that uh, phil right back to matt Uh, i think that both of you are emphasizing the power of the community and that really seems to me to be the greatest uh, unit that you could focus on. It's not you know, just one person and what can they do. And it's not just at the level of a, a bureaucratic regulatory agency. So a lot of power in that. Uh, can you, uh, Matt, maybe help us understand what does it really take to get a community engaged? Uh, you had told us a really vivid story in preparation for this about how you were hoping to get 10 people on board and you were able to get you know, 50. Uh, What is the level of energy, uh, excitement, vision that it ultimately takes to get a a community charged up? uh, And how are you gonna scale that up throughout uh, other communities in the nation?
2: Healthcare is a relationship. I say that in the film, the providers documentary, and again, healthcare, let's expand that definition. Let's make sure we're including social determinants of health, let's make sure we're including um, economic health, you know, all forms of health. And as we know, they are all very much interrelated and nothing has pulled the veil back on that more than this pandemic. And so what do you need? You need relationships and you need champions. So identifying champions in our community, in the food sector, in the housing sector, in medical and behavioral health and transportation, and job training and youth mentoring as i said earlier and schools community schools and parental supports and early childhood and and child care you know identifying those champions we also included an economic innovation public safety and our emergency manager um uh, uh tradition culture and tradition and making sure again back to um that we keep that in mind in in terms of saying Wow, we're we're not coming to your rescue here, community. We need you. You know, the action comes from you, everyone, everyone. And so really putting all of those pieces together, identifying champions, bringing them to a table with a shared vision, a shared mission, and then giving them an evidence-driven strategy and a framework within which to say, okay, we have our game plan now. We, we, we want action, we need action, and we have a, a plan of action, you know, ut- utilizing gap analysis, quality, right? And data, using data-driven processes to identify gaps, prioritize gaps, and then attack the gap and say, okay, what do we need? Let's get this done. Let's start moving that dial of 100% access to 10 vital services for everyone. So I think that excitement, that energy becomes the force multiplier's relationships, It's that weaving, I do this. You know, we take those 10 vital services and we weave them together for for, force multiplied strength. The energy becomes seeing action. You know, we, we get deflated when there's so much talk and nothing ever happens. The opposite happens when we're involved, when we're engaged and we actually start to see the outcomes and we see those, the data, the measurables coming back, the fruit, if you will. And so I think that's really all it takes. Um, It's it's an easily replicable model for any community. Phil is absolutely right. This isn't just for rural, this is for any under-resourced community in the world.
1: Basically, we have to change the model. The model really has to deal with getting away from sick care and getting towards prevention. If we can predict, if we can detect, and we can respond, we're going to be a lot farther along than this model where most of the money goes to sick care and very little money goes to prevention uh so we're just flipping the model and in essence to make it really simple we have to go to the 21st century model of innovative transformation and get away from the 20th and the 19th century but keep parts of the 19th to 20th century where there's a touch and feel between the provider and the patients. So we're dealing with persons, we're dealing with consumers, and we're dealing with patients. But we're not starting everything with patients, because the community has to be healthy across all fronts. And with that, we'll get better statistics. And a lot of statistics in rural America have remained in the 40 to 50 level of all the states for the last 100 years, forgetting the who was in Washington. So we really have to change it. And it could be Appalachia, it could be the Delta, it could be New Mexico, it could be the Central Valley of California, it could be the Northwest Quadrant amongst the miners, amongst the foresters. So we got a lot of work to do and it's bringing as, now I'm stealing, since he gives me credit, we're putting this together. So that's my new mantra as of today.
0: (laughs) Matt. How does it feel working with somebody like Phil, who is so excited to do this with you and be in there and help you get the funding that you need to do this? And how do you tell other communities that once this funding comes through, because I'm confident that you guys are going to be successful in this, that you need to find a way to use that funding for creative things and still maintain that grassroots connection because it seems to me that so many places you get funding and then automatically it ends up going to let's just get technology for that but you're saying the key is the relationships the key is the innovation and being part of that community and getting them involved so how do you recommend that these places take the funding that they're going to get and really amplify the grassroots measures
2: yeah there's a survey again this is this is an evidence driven model there are seven steps outlined in 100% community on on how to get to what you're talking about. And yeah, eventually when the resources come, how do you utilize them wisely and and best to force multiply the fruit? Um, It's, you start with a community survey. So there are multiple forms of need assessment. You know, you find these experts, you find these champions within these service sectors, and then their job is to create a table with all the with all the experts in that field to bring them all to the table and say well what do we have what do we need uh but then you also have to ask the community and and be careful with assumptions right again i i catch that all the time um you know that's this uh you know this idea of we'll give you telehealth well that's awesome could I have electricity first? <laughs> <Could> <laughs> I have electricity? you know, um, you know, it, it, it's it's these assumptions that some, can sometimes be made. So you have to ask. You know, you can't assume that there's access to vital services just on Friday. And again, we're a leading initiative, but to not say it's perfect in New Mexico. So I'm on this big team about vaccines and our new challenge, which is hesitancy we're you know we're we're way up there on terms of our vaccine distribution Um, uh, New Mexico's leading the nation and so we're already hitting that hesitancy wall, as is the rest of the country and so how do we innovate past that and so the the idea came up instead of having you know federally qualified health centers like my clinic and the hospitals and the public health offices getting the majority of the vaccine out we need every primary care provider right because every primary care provider has that relationship of trust with their patient. So that will really help. So, you know, it said, well, let's give them access to the vaccine. Well, every, every primary care provider now has access to the vaccine. So you can just go on NIMSys, which is a state system, and order your vaccine. What needed to be said is hold on do they have storage <laughs> do they have they ever do they have access to nimsis have they ever do they stock vaccines in primary care po- clinics do they have protocols you got to do temp logs and temp checks and they're going to need training they're going to need resources like refrigerators and temp logs so we make these assumptions and you know with that again whether it's a provider or an individual to say well no there is a behavioral health clinic well i can't get to it for whatever the barrier is, utilizing those surveys to identify, well, what does my community really need to best utilize resources from the city, county, state and federal levels?
3: Both of you speak so energetically. There's an incredible vision and, and obviously a great partnership that both of you have developed. Uh, and, and, I, and I think I'll take my final question back there. I hear the energy, I hear the innovation and the collaboration, uh, I hear the creativity. Uh, and yet I think at the same time, so much of what we hear about in what you call that under-resourced areas, Uh, there's so much despair that sets in, then hopelessness, helplessness, a feeling of we just can't do it. And yet you both are doing it. So is it the solution in all the things you've already laid out? Or is there something else that helps you ultimately overcome that deep set uh, despair that can sometimes kick in in a community? If you could just comment on that and be eager to learn about that.
1: It's uh, having a, tomorrow has to be a better day than yesterday. Uh, we all have so many days that we're on this planet, and we would like to leave something for future generations. If we have spirit, hope, and energy, it's as far as I'd better than isolation, depression, and anxiety. So by putting this out, I think other people can share our energy so they can feel more empowered to lead not only their personal life, but their community life.
2: A disease and despair aren't going anywhere they've they've always been here always will be but there has to be hope and real tangible hope I think that's the difference and I think again with this pandemic uh, we're not last we're first we're you know a leading county and the leading state in, in America here and um, and we have one of the lowest death rates per capita um, that there is despite our very high social vulnerability. Um, what I say about COVID is it's, it's, you know, yes, it's the new alpha and the disease and despair wolf pack, but those over, other wolves haven't gone anywhere. Um, suicidality, um, uh, addiction, um, you know, all of those other diseases that we've always been attacked by, they've gotten bolder, you know, they've gotten worse, they've gotten braver. So, you know, what the pandemic, though, has taught us is that, yes, resources we need, but the real resource that we've always had is each other. And when we come together, now we're like the sheepdog pack. I say that in the movie too, in the documentary, we're the sheepdog pack. And when we're working and coordinated together, we can best protect our most vulnerable from disease and despair. And so that's always going to be there. And the power comes from that, from that relationship. And in that's hope. In, in the face of your neighbor, in the face of, of your family, um, in the face of, of partners like Phil and you all, because, you know, we're like an Aspen Grove. Our roots are all connected. If there's anything COVID has taught us is that, you know, the world is one living organism. And, um, and by protecting everyone, you are protecting yourself.
0: Matt, then Phil, what are you most excited about Knowing that this is on the forefront and this is happening and you're going to be able to expand these really amazing, you know, community-based programs and outreach.
2: What I'm most excited about is this has been a dark time, the darkest time in my life. And, um, and there's a new dawn. And with that is opportunity to move from just surviving, which we've done really well at, but to thriving. To say that this is an opportunity, there is a window here in this dawn for everyone to wake up and say, "Wow, what do we have? What can we do? What are the opportunities here and the potential for not just our local communities, but for the country and the world?"
1: I would only amplify what Matt says. So I think we uh, have a success story that others people can share in and it can be populated to more people. And for me, it's about good government, not big government or small government. Let's just have really effective government. Let's make it more bipartisan, recognizing that there can be differences, but you can be agreeable and civic and really underscore the word democracy for all, not just for the chosen few. So we have a lot of work in front of us. We're going to have some what they would say, quote unquote failures along the way or miss spots. But I can tell you, we will have more resonance amongst the people who listen to your show and they're all part of our community. So we're trying to grow our community across all sectors, uh, energy, economics, civics, faith and the like. And that's not just being focused into the healthcare provider sector. Um, because we're all part of enhancing our health, not just the provide, not underscoring any weakness in that community, but we have to make it holistic. And we basically have to take the health care providers out into the community more, the community health workers, and not have a hierarchical structure of the specialist and then the bottom of the ladder. Okay, that isn't, it has to be much more horizontal than the vertical silos we have now.
0: Well, thank you both so much, Dr. Mm -hmm. Phil Polakoff and Matthew Probst. You guys are doing amazing things. I love your collaboration and I really cannot wait to see what happens next for you guys and for the nation. Thank you so much for being here.